John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The Divine Exchange. This is Sean and the Word. Man, it is so good to be back with you today. I just thank God for His Word and the ability to be able to open His Word. Today we're going to talk about Divine Exchange number 7. And this is something that's very near and dear to my heart because I experience it on a daily basis. And it is basically our loneliness for his family. And this is so powerful. The opening verses that we read talks about being born uh, by God. And if you're born uh, as a child of God, obviously God has many children and, and you become a family, the family of God. When I, when I got saved and started going to church, one of the songs that we sang every week in order for us to hug each other and love on each other, which I'm anticipating will begin to happen soon once again in the church of God after this COVID-19. But we sang, we're the family of God. And it's like, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family. <laughs> don't, don't laugh at my singing. But it's like I'm part of the family of God. And what I've learned is when I was coming to Christ, I came into a family. And I've started to embrace that family, the family of God. And I'm going to share that with you today. The home unit in the majority of Americans' lives is broken and dysfunctional. It's not just here in America, really. It's globally. In a survey from 2015, it was reported that 56% of teenagers from the age of 15 to 17 had never understood or known what it meant to, to live in a whole family unit. Either their parents had never been married, they had been divorced, or they had been separated for a period of time. That is one out of every two kids that knows some type of level of, of division or brokenness or dysfunction. Check this out. In January, a report came out, and I know that it's probably way higher now after this pandemic, but in January, a report saying that 60% of Americans feel lonely, or they feel that they live a lonesome life. This is a real situation where it plays a huge role in the life of the believer and in the journey the Lord would have them, excuse me, have them on. For me, I come from brokenness. I come from a dysfunctional family. I've never had a father figure in our home. We struggled with a lot of things financially, uh, as a unit, a family unit, we struggle. There's a lot of struggle, but there's one thing that we always had in our family, and that was love. There were some things that we never understood or never really knew or really never, never really thought was different until we got older and knew better, but we had love. And there's a lot of dysfunction, a lot of trouble, a lot of issues, a lot of things that were not normal, but God. And, and, and it played a huge role in my behavior. It played a huge role in my actions and how I dealt with and how I currently deal with situations. 
even though my family was dysfunctional, they are my family. And we have always been committed to one another and loving towards one another. There's some families that there's disagreements or arguments and they don't talk to each other. They have hard feelings for years. And that's never been our family. We've never gone a day without not being a family. You know, that's one thing I really love about my natural family is we're committed to one another and we love one another and we're all we're all messed up. But, boy, there's a commitment and an understanding for one another. But when I got saved, I noticed that I began to take on a new family. I literally started to trade in my broken, dysfunctional family experience for the family of God. Now, listen to me. Not that I traded my family in, but the impact of growing up and experiencing a broken and dysfunctional family unit I began to trade that experience and the impact of it in for wholeness. So that's what God's wanting to do. God's wanting to take the impact, the influence of brokenness and dysfunctional family units, not, not the family itself, but the impact that that, that that had on you, the influence it had on you, the negativity. He's wanting to exchange that for a better experience for a better influence, for something that will elevate you, the family of God. Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 3, verse 31 through 35, Jesus says this in talking, it says, There came then his brother and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, your mother and your brother are seeking you. And he answered them, and he said, Who is my mother or who is my brother? And he looked around about him, on which sat around him, and he said, Behold, these are my, this is my mother, this is my brother. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother, my sister, and my mother. So in this situation, his mother and his brothers come to get him, and Jesus openly breaks with them in the public and says, these are my mother, my brothers, and my sisters, the ones who do the will of God, talking about those who are listening and following them. In first century Greco-Roman and Jewish society, in culture, it was a person's family unit that primarily determined their identity and social standing within the community. So for Jesus' teaching radically modifies this custom by prioritizing participation in the kingdom of God. He puts the priority of serving God and being obedient to the will of God higher than any other priority. And in their culture, family units and family relationships were the highest of highest priorities. But Jesus exchanges that and says, no, no, no. Obeying God is the singular highest priority in anyone's life. And he publicly displays that. So to have Jesus' mother calling for him and to him openly and publicly break from her was a serious event. You can almost understand the astonishment that was taking place to everyone that was there. But it was something that Jesus had to publicly demonstrate that, yes, family is important, 
But God's will being accomplished in our life is even more important. For it was Jesus that said this in Matthew 10, 37. For he that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. The Lord is saying there has to be a commitment that's supreme in your life to him. He, he has to have, you have to have this commitment to Jesus and that commitment to Jesus has to be supreme. There can't be anything else on par with your decision and allegiance to Jesus. As Jesus said in Mark's gospel, the ones that does the will of my father is my family. He said, we're in this together. You might seem like or it might feel like you're leaving something behind, but in reality, you're gaining something. And Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, Jesus says, And everyone that hath forsaken house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. This is not that you ever stop being a part of the natural family. This is not that you don't even have obligations to the natural family. That That is not what the Lord's saying. As a matter of fact, to even think that would be opposite or in opposition of God's word and Jesus' stance on his commitment to the family and our commitment and, and command to love the family. What he's saying here is, look, your commitment to me is has to be supreme. If that commitment to obey my will leads you to another place, then you need to know that you're going to gain something in, in reward. You're going to gain a hundredfold reward. Jesus is not wanting us to dismiss the natural family, for that is contrary to his word. He is wanting us to know that, that with that supreme allegiance to him and him alone, we don't lose a family, but we gain a family and so much more. Look how Jesus said on the cross entrusts his mother to John the Apostle. Jesus' mother, Mary, had other sons. She had other family members. She had other children. But it was there on the cross where Jesus calls on his follower to embrace her and care for her as if she was part of his own family, their own family. John chapter 19, verse 25 through 27. By, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother Mary and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to his disciples, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household talking about the family of God. You see, when we make the decision to surrender to Jesus and make him Lord over all of our life, we enter into a family. And that family is not a broken one. That family is not and should not be dysfunctional. It's a family that is committed to us, loving toward us, forgiving toward us, and helps us grow into what the Lord has called us to be. When I got saved and started going to church, as I said earlier, 
Those folks became my family. It wasn't just the song we sang. It was in practicality. They became my family. I loved them, and they loved me. They were so proud of me and what the Lord was doing in my life. They were proud to watch me grow and how God was using me. As a matter of fact, when I made the decision to go to Bible college, they were the ones that were the most excited in my life for me to go and make that choice. Some of them were educated. Some of them were old and well-experienced and wise. Some of them were good husbands and fathers. And I began to learn how to glean from each one of them. See, my, my family unit natural family unit was limited in that area. There's a lot of things that I'm missing that I never was exposed to or had experience of. But when I got into the family of God, these people who were committed to me and loved me, they had they brought so much to the table for me to be able to glean from and learn from and grow from. I learned what it looked like to 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 do well. And, and to, to have uh, ambitious desires. I, I knew what it was. I began to learn how to be around well-off people, educated people. I learned what it looked like to be a husband, to be a father. I learned to set goals and dreams that, that went past my sphere of influence growing up. My family, the family of God, helped form and shape me and then, at that time in 2004, when I was called to the Bible college, I was leaving. And when I left to go to the Bible college, it was some really lonely days. Yeah, I had a lot of new experiences, a lot of new friends, but it was a lonely time. Sure, uh, it was a great experience, but the loneliness that sat deep in my soul was hard to combat. It's hard to get over. And then I read a verse. The Lord showed me a verse that, that even now, some 16 years later, God is really still in my heart, really has used this verse over the years. Psalm 68, verse 6, it says, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. When I was preparing to go to Bible college, I thought in my mind I would preach in, in different churches and earn some money to help pave my way through school. But my pastor said, that's going to be impossible. You probably are not going to get a place to preach or, or pastor until your second or third year. So that was a little discouraging. But once I got to the college, my first week, I got invited to preach at Mariana Boys Home. It's a correctional institution for, for boys. And I was invited to preach there. And I remember it was one of the most profound experiences I've ever had. The second week, I got invited to put in my application for a youth pastor position in Quincy, Florida. I shared there. I shared my testimony. And I was waiting for them to vote on me. And the following week, I was invited to preach at a church in Tuake, Florida. I gathered all my friends. We got in two different vehicles. And we drove 40 minutes to Tuig from Graceville. We drove down this clay dirt road. I'll never forget it in, in my friend's car. And we're shaking. I'm like, man, this place is out in the middle of nowhere. We made it to the church. 
And I got out and I walked in and there's a little country church that sat on top of a hill with a graveyard behind it in the middle of nowhere. And I walk in. As soon as I walk in, the Holy Spirit says, this is where I want you to be. When I met the people in that church, I'm going to try to convey this with this without breaking down. When I met the people in that church, they had gone through so much. They had they had they had, were at the time were experiencing brokenness. And they had gone through so much, they had really had a hard time. But what happened that day, the Lord set the lonely in a family. Every single person that was a member and is a member of that church has meant the world to me these past 16 years. They have walked with me. They have helped me. They have cried with me. They've loved me. They encouraged me. They listened to some terrible messages. They laughed with me. They fed me. They fed me again. They blessed me. They watched me grow into a man, a husband, and a father. They are my family. And I tell you, I was born in the land, but I was raised in two ways. And God has a way of taking, taking the lonely and putting them in a family, his family. And that's what the church, the body of Christ is all about. Yeah, we're all different. Yeah, we, we have different backgrounds, different experiences. We bring different things to the table. But this loving commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ flows down to this loving commitment to one another. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, it says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but your fellow citizens with God's people, God's family, and also members of his household. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are children of God. Brothers and sisters, the loneliness, the brokenness, the dysfunctional experience from whatever this world could offer, he is wanting to take that from you and from me. And in exchange, put us in his loving family. Years later, I once again found myself in a lonely, isolated place on the other side of the world. I was in Vietnam awaiting for our wedding day. And nobody had showed up on my behalf because of the distance and the timing. And the wedding was beautiful. I was about to get married. It's May 29th, uh, 2010. And as we were preparing, you know, it's kind of sad. I was the only one there from, from my family, friends or, or any representation. I had to have people fill in for, for those that were missing. You know, it was a lonely place. It was sad, and I was really starting to get down. And I remembered that verse that he takes the lonely and he puts them in families. And I remember sitting on stage looking out, and um, I was like, man, Lord, you know, there's. I wish somebody would be here with me. And he looks, and he says, Sean, look out. And I looked out, and there was over 500 Christians, pastors, and believers. And he says, Sean, these are your family. They are celebrating with you. These are your brothers and your sisters. On the other side of the world, he took the lonely and he put them in a family. What about you today with this COVID-19, this 
this past several months of trouble and difficulty. Maybe you're part of the 60% that just feels isolated or alone. Maybe you come like me, you come from dysfunction and, and brokenness. But God's wanting to take that off of you. He's wanting to put you in a body of believers, a family that will grow with you, that will love you, be committed to you. And we want to see him formed and fashioned in your life for his glory. He wants to remove the hurt and the broken experiences. He's wanting to give you wholeness and a welcomeness and a belonging that you've never known. Our loneliness for his family. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your church. We thank you for your family. That you said that everyone who would believe on you, you've given them the right to become children, your children. Not born of human will, but born of you, God. And Jesus, I thank you for my brothers, my sisters. I thank you for everyone, Lord, that even today, God, my family, the family of God that's committed to me, that's committed to seeing you formed and fashioned in and from my life. Thank you, God, that you set us. You set us in something greater than ourselves and your family. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for accepting us in the beloved by your precious son. And Lord, I pray for those who are listening, that you would bless them even now with a remembrance of not only your commitment to them, but their brothers and sisters in the Lord commitment and love for them, that they're not alone. They're in this together with us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you real good. See you next time on Sean and the Word.